For Ekthong Earthlets, it's Conrad once again with two quick mentions before we start the show. First, and most importantly, Fox and I would like to wish a very happy 40th anniversary to Tharg and everyone else at 2000 AD. Obviously, without them, we wouldn't have a podcast in the first place. We're just at the start of year two of our coverage of the galaxy's greatest comic, and 40 years can certainly seem daunting, but we remain very excited to make our journey, and slow and steady wins the race. Secondly, I'd like to congratulate listener Jason Kay for winning the first Space Spinner 2000 contest. His favorite thrill of 1977 was the Judge Dredd Robot War. I'm sending him his copy of the Shackographic novel today, and everyone, please keep an eye out in the future for more contests from Space Spinner 2000. And here's to covering the next 40 years of 2000 AD. Splendug Verthrig! It painted Salford, smoke it up Some cardboard boxes from the shop And parts of Ancoats where I used to play For Ekdong Earthlets, my name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox. This is the 17th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of UK's own galaxy's comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering April 1978, Progs 58 through 62. This week, Colony Earth ends. We arrive on the Death Planet. Mach 1 begins his final encounter, and we prepare to set out on the Cursed Earth. How's it going this week, Fox? Uh, pretty great. Actually, pretty stoked for the Cursed Earth stuff. Uh, I think it was two issues that started covering it. We'll get to Yeah, we'll get to it. Like, it's... it's we're, we're getting on the road. We'll get to it eventually. Mm. But yeah, no, it's good times. No, the setup's really neat. I like the, I like what they're setting it up for. So Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Before that, let's go uh, under the sea with <laughs> Thrill One, Dan Dare. So we pick up Dan Dare from where we left off last week with uh, <laughs> the Eagle Landing Crash and several key cast members, including Dan Dare, being trapped underwater. And Dan having been kidnapped by the sea monkey looking sea monkey looking monsters oh man or well they look like like when they sold sea monkeys in like comic books they'd have pictures of what the sea monkey yeah. was supposed to look like and that's what they look like basically and i don't know why all of them have butthole mouths but everything under the ocean apparently has a butthole for a mouth oh yeah there's <laughs> a lot of holes yeah so but we start off with the eagle landing craft as a big old sea monster sit just sitting there in front of it but it's not really doing anything so the boys in the in the ship think it might be dead and they like climb out to go poke it with a stick basically and when they do <laughs> these tentacles come flying out of it and kill them all so it's still alive oh geez oh snap it's got barnacles yeah meanwhile uh dandere wakes up in the stronghold of the sea monkey looking guys introduce themselves at themselves as the zebes once dandere puts his uh psychic auto translator in his ear <laughs> andy andy psychic translator yeah so they say that uh the sea monster the big sea monster guys the uh slurgs are endangering their planet and might destroy it completely which is going to mess them up because they're all about to go into hibernation for 500 years or something like that and so instead of committing mass genocide on the people who saved his life who are aliens well, yeah yeah hold on dan Dergis, that's not Bark off genocide completely <laughs> off the list here. But Dan, well, Dan, D- D- Dan agrees to uh, to help the Zebes against the Slurgs. <laughs> uh, he takes them back to their ship. As he does, the uh, our guys in the Eagle Craft explode one of the big Slurg monsters, and when they do, it explodes into a bunch of crazy death monsters. Because it had the pincer things in it. Those are yeah. bad. Apparently, the, these big guys, which are the size of, like, I don't know, like a, a warehouse or something, are full of tiny dudes that are basically just giant mouths. <laughs> called the Snappers. They're pretty uh, gross looking. Yeah, and ain't, they eat at least one dude, but they're easily killed by the sound energy from the Z because their kind of butthole mouths make them project <laughs> sound energy really well. <laughs> That's my understanding of how this conflict is. You know, it doesn't actually ever show them doing it. Like, it doesn't ever show their the front of them while they do it. So yeah, you don't I know what they're, they're just doing. Kind of going like a, like a woo, 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 kind of sound <laughs> that like blows up the uh, blows up the slurks. I, you know, 
I'm not putting it past this comic. It was the weirdest portion of this entire arc, and I liked it the most. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so Dare and his crew and the thieves team up to go down and kill the Slurg Queen, which is in the bot, which is, who, who lives in the bottom of the ocean. To do so, they combine uh, Dan's Dan Dare's technology with uh, Zeb technology to allow them to, to go super deep. It's like 20 miles down where the pressure would normally kill him. So he heads out with a, a red shirt. The two of them, <laughs> like halfway down, realize that they didn't set things up right. And one guy, <laughs> the other guy just basically freaking explodes from, like, from the pressure and stuff. It's horrible. It mostly just blows Dan, uh, uh, Dan Dare's clothes off, <laughs> which leads to him confronting the slurg mother in her lair. Wearing basically just like his diving helmet and like his, his speedos, I guess. Which is really great uh, as he's but fighting what is a giant. Well, it, it makes no sense, but yeah, <laughs> as he fights another giant sort of spe- uh, sea slug kind of thing, he uh, he ends up jamming the solar device in the slurg queen's mouth and stabs it a couple times with like a stalactite, and eventually the whole thing gets blown to calamari. Dander wakes up inside the space fort, and then he and his crew spend the next two <laughs> months cleaning up the remaining slurs around the, uh, the the planet. Now, by cleaning up, he means going into the water with these like really fast craft, just like lasering yep. these things to death, oh, yeah. just massacring an entire species off of this planet, yeah, so that the- one other species can live. Yeah, the Zeebs go into hibernation. It's another successful genocide for Tandare. <laughs> Hold on. There we go. <laughs> another successful genocide. I mean, you know, yeah. these guys, yeah. <laughs> they really are just a gang of murderers. Next up, oh, geez, giant space bugs. <laughs> oh, and they're gross looking. Yeah. So we so the fourth prog we end up being in medias res attacked by giant space bugs. <laughs> For some reason, the crew seems to think the bugs might not exist, so they're like, "Oh, we can't be seeing these giant space bugs. Oh, but they're really there. Oh, but they might not be." They keep <laughs> back and forth about it for some reason. Yeah, it was weird, but then they when, just shoot it. Yeah, when in fact these space bugs are messing up their ship and respond to being shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so they sh- the ship has to land for repairs. They land on a nearby planet, which is apparently marked as forbidden on their space charts. <laughs> Great place to start. Oh, yeah. Well, on the surface, Dandere freaks out and sees a giant uh, version of the Mekon, his greatest enemy. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. He goes crazy, but it turns out, hey, maybe it was just a dream, and he wasn't actually threatened by a giant Mekon that wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah, so it's like a sponge... Like it deflated or something yeah, like he, that. He like thinks he's falling and then lands on a sp- on a giant land sponge. I guess it's so, really out there. Yeah, but so then a crazy alien army shows up uh, and the space force <clears throat> guys shoot the crap out of them. But they're like clearly hallucinations from somewhere on this planet, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a sweet message: uh, death awaits you here. Appears in the sky. Yeah, and the crew ends up sort of going underground through a cave and then coming across like a car like Charon on the river sticks or something they board this evil river boat and go down <laughs> this big river but then the boat disappears out from under them and hopefully next week we'll learn the secret of this crazy planet yeah they seem to be going all over the place right now it looks like willy wonka's chocolate factory if it was an alien planet it's a weirdo space planet that just hallucinations in people apparently that's all that's definitely all we know right now yeah it's got that Gulliver's Travels kind of Odyssey feel to it. Yeah, no, this is a, it's a fun, like, going places, doing things, exploring the galaxy, blowing things up. Um, <laughs> Dan Dare's, instead of Dan Dare's stories, I'm fine with it. You know. Singing songs, making movies, fighting around the world. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, pretty good show from Dan Dare this month. Um, I, I mean, I don't really have much to say other than, like, check marks for genocide. We saw him wipe out an entire race. For sure, yeah. They uh, wiped out some undersea races, hung out in some alien forests. Hey, speaking of uh, hanging out in forests, <laughs> thrill to Mach 1. So we start this time with John Probe, a.k.a. Mach 1, walking through the Florida Everglades following mm. the events of the Dolphin Tapes debacle. <laughs> Uh, while out there, he meets 
a beautiful lady saves her brother from an alligator. <laughs> they go to a creepy Ozark family home. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on. That night he's attacked yeah. by a hooded figure. And, oh, geez, it turns out to be the lady. Yep. And this makes uh, Probe realize that all humans are terrible. So he might as well just go back to England and work for Sharp <laughs> some more. <laughs> it's a really big defeatist attitude. But it seems to be the one that he uses the most. It's true. So Mac 1 arrives in England, and he, as he does, he realizes that actually he has no memory of his life before he got hyperpower. Seeking answers, he infiltrates the research base where he was created, and he sees that all the machinery and records have been destroyed. And Sharp is there, his boss in the intelligence community, and he's there with Mach, with Probe's replacement, Mach 2. Ah, oh, snap. He's yeah. really tall. Yeah, this leads to a Mach Man fight. <laughs> they fight all over these bases and stuff. And uh, eventually, with a blow of like acid to his face, Mach 2 is revealed to be a Galdern robot. Ah, uh, snap. Gross. Yeah, because I guess the robot is completely controlled and Mach 1, and like John Probe um, bucks back against his orders and stuff, he realizes that he is a human, he just doesn't have his memories, but Sharp does have his memories, so... Mach 1 has to keep working for Sharp if he wants to, any chance of a normal life afterwards. Yeah, it seems like like the recurring element that they keep bringing up is that he has human emotions and that he's not this kind of effective killing machine. Yeah, mostly in the form of him yelling at his computer that's trying to boss him around. Yeah. So the next story starts in one of those let's see the end and then explain how it happened kind of things where we see mm -hmm. John Probe is dead. We see him being buried. Um, and, uh, um, in the graveyard and all that stuff and then a big meeting by all the intelligence heads sort of explaining how Mach 1 died so we learn previously John Probe's been dispatched to a military base where everyone's dead and as he moves around it all the weapons and stuff on the base start shooting at him a tank and stuff yeah just sort of magically yeah eventually he fights his way through the base he finds basically just a gray alien walking around the base he tackles him <laughs> And then befriends the alien and convinces it to stop trying to kill everybody with its psychic abilities. It's like, all right, that seems like a pretty good deal. Thanks for the water. Yeah. The uh, the alien is named uh, Frizzikskids, which is a F-R-Triple-X-S-C-K-L-D-S. Uh, Probe calls him Fred. <laughs> pretty much right out the gate says, nope. Yep. <laughs> he, uh, he brings Fred in, but Fred looks like he's uh, he's getting sick. Apparently he's dying of the common cold. Mm. Wah, wah, wah. But we'll see more Fred stuff next month on Mach 1. He's the weirdest drawn character in this entire run. <laughs> it's really, it's funny because Mach 1's got a really realistic art style. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know, as I guess as realistic as you can be for a comic about the $6 million man sort of hyperpowering everything. <laughs> <laughs> but... Like, the people really look like, like normal people. Like, they aren't, like, super stylized or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And so the way uh, Montero, the off, the artist for this um, comic, draws Fred, he's really, like, kind of rough and, like, both non-human looking, but also just looking like he's being drawn by a different artist almost or something like that. Yeah, it's, like, really jarring. I don't know how to describe it better than that. Anyway, uh, Mach 1, not bad. Yeah, pretty fun. You know, it's the usual stuff. Or I, I don't know, like the, um, I sort of glossed over it, but there's some neat, like, sort of Mach 1 running around London evading um, Sharps at the start of the Mach 2 story and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're getting towards the end of Mach 1. Um, like, he should, it'll finish next uh, month of Progs. And so we're really kind of getting our licks in now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, uh, it sucks to see it go. It is sort of a good sort of a good comic yeah it's fine it's a fine launch comic <clears throat> yeah after it ends we'll have uh we'll have still have some more hyperpower stuff after that's all i'll say for the moment okay and speaking of uh thrills ending <laughs> thrill three colony earth so what do you think is the world record for getting through describing this month's of prongs <laughs> specifically colony earth <laughs> And there's a lot of thrills this month. There's like eight um, the non-thrill stuff. But we can do. But Colony Earth is pretty quick, all right? So last week, uh, Hunter and the Professor shot down some UFOs with a robot sidekick. 
We learned the aliens had an HQ in space. That was like a big satellite that was, you know, changing all, cooling down the Earth. They dragged a mostly intact UFO to their ship. And they're on their way to Cape Canaveral. When Cape Canaveral is destroyed by aliens, which is a bummer. Uh, but our guys snag some of the surviving astronauts, including a dude named Steel. And Steel manages to get the UFO running. And we're flying off in one alien ship to destroy another big alien ship, Independence Day style. <laughs> so on the way up, Steel, the astronaut guy, uh, starts some starts some stuff with other alien ships, like attacking them and stuff. So the ship is damaged. Everybody's got to pile into um, spacesuits and then onto their hover on, onto their hover buggy they've been using really extensively for the rest of for most of this comic. Yep. With um, so it's. It's still Hunter, the professor, and Charlie, the robot, then with Steel being dragged behind them in his spacesuit, like by a rope. As they try to enter the alien base, Steel's rope gets snagged on like a girder on the spaceship, and he's slammed through the main window of the space station. Then, so he starts, he gets beat up by alien slash gnome guys and their robots while Hunter, and the professor and Charlie infiltrate the ship. The professor tries to negotiate, but it's no go, they don't care. And so it's just kind of time to beat everybody up all over the ship, I guess. Uh, they, they, they kidnap the alien leader and manage to rig the reactor of the satellite to blow. They escape on the UFO and land. And now they can use the alien technology so that next time they'll be ready for when the aliens come. And that's it for Colony Earth. Go to hell, Colony Earth. <laughs> um, so I was going to save this uh, for the bumper, but I just want to use it as a preface. For something uh-huh. like I'm going to have a talk with you later, I feel like about this comic book. <laughs> um, so this is for everyone at home to realize how many words are just in one box for Colony Earth. Now, I and I realize this is like the like intro of like the last time on Dragon Ball Z stuff, but every other comic in this doesn't even get close to this amount of words. Mm-hmm. Earth is under attack by a race of aliens intent on uh, colonizing our planet at all costs. Using incredibly advanced planetary engineering techniques, they are trying to recreate Ice Age conditions all over the globe. But Commander James Hunter and Professor Philip Vandenberg have found the location of the alien's orbital satellite controlling the changes. And now, and then it's like two more paragraphs of dialogue. Yeah, there's so much words in this comic, and they don't need them, and it's just so much going on. Plus, like, pretty much everything was just, um, they got this robot, like, four progs in, and since then, everything's been done by this robot. Yep. Like, the robot shot down all the UFOs, then they take the robot into the ship, and the robot basically shoots up the uh, shoots up the big mother ship, and then they can escape. <laughs> and like blows up their ship partially too, because yeah. it's just shooting everywhere. Like it's, you know, there's some cool there's some cool ideas <clears throat> in Colony Earth, you know, like that whole ancient alien. Like it sort of has an ancient aliens vibe, which is always kind of fun. Where like, oh yeah, oh these ancient ruins were made by aliens that used to live on earth or we're just a colony of a greater alien race that's above us and stuff that's interesting stuff it's done real real poorly in colony earth if you ask me i don't think it's a great it's not a great comic and it feels just the storytelling style and stuff feels really different than everything 2000 than everything else in 2000 ad so um i couldn't comprehend almost at any point in time what the fuck was going on um, or what to read or in what order. Like it was just a fucking mess. And that yeah. said, like there's a lot of words in some of these comic books, but what I think you'll see very quickly in, in some of the different progs is that if they want to show you something, their text boxes move the fuck out of the way. So you can just see what's going on. Yeah. And something like, so good. Oh, well, if there's just, like, a lot going on, like, in a specific direction, like, if there's something going diagonally, everyone talks in that motion, or everything's going on in that motion, and uh, in this, it's like, they have a box, and they fit everything that's fucking happening into that box, including characters' potential future movements, and you're just looking at this thing saying, what the fuck is going on? Like. Yeah. 
It sure. is decent sci-fi, but I feel like it's rushed, and the author wanted to write more, and that just seems like a poor match for the style of this comic book and whatever story they're trying to tell. Yeah, everything's... I mean, we've talked about it before, like just the, the, the huge jumble and mash of words and images makes it really hard to comprehend. Yeah. And just really, really busy and just hard to follow and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It feels like it's from sort of an era where, or I guess it is, I guess, but, you know, someone's got a big story that they need to tell, and they need to tell it super fast, so they just sort of constantly hitting you over the head with everything. It's funny because comics are such a visual medium that you'd think that that old uh, writing advice of, like, show, show, don't tell would yep. just come automatically. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is, like, the telliest comic strip I've seen ever. Like, almost ever in my life, you know? And it really does. Like, when I think of, um, like, people that I've talked to, because, you know, again, uh, like, I have some friends who like comic books, some friends who don't. And you ask people who don't, and it's like, I, you know, I don't really have an interest or I have no fucking clue what's going on. It's just a bunch of lines and, like, shit going on and weird (laughs) things that I have to read. And, like, that is fucking colony earth <laughs> like if yeah. you ever want to show somebody a reason to not like comics just have them try to suss through like two progs of that and i guarantee they'll just get really frustrated <laughs> yeah no it's it's not a great it's a it it's a it's one of these early ones that are sort of like oh yeah yeah this is like how this is the negative side of what it can you know yeah which i feel bad for because i feel like the the sci-fi is decent so it's got good you know Good concepts, bad execution. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? Yep. Yep, yep. Hey, speaking of Earth, uh, thrill for <laughs> Judge Dredd. So, Adorable. We start we start this these progs basically with a day in the life of uh, Judge Dredd on, on the moon. P.S. It sucks. I, I think there's a pretty, some pretty cool Dredd, uh, Judge, Judge Dredd stuff. Like, yeah. He catches a guy who's jumping off a building and then arrests him. <laughs> and then he finds a lady who says, who like um, questions him on it and stuff, which I think is the ultimate. For me, the ultimate Judge Dredd thing is always like where you're getting mugged and he takes down the muggers, but then he also like arrests you for inciting a mugging, you know? <laughs> like for me, that's like, yep, like this is uh, this is what we're looking for, you know? Yeah, it's like a character just saying, if you can steal my purse, you'll win $50, blah, blah, blah. And then someone actually steals it, and then they're like, oh, God. Right, except he's like, no. You're just walking around all day, you know? But, mm-hmm. uh, but then he sort of, you know, he... Uh, finds a guy on the highway who's driving too slow and he bans him from driving, which would make my mom love Judge Dredd forever. <laughs> and he just takes down a bunch of random criminals around the city uh, and then eventually ends his day falling asleep in his chair at the judge's station. Justice brought to another gang of Luna City jerks. Oh man, and in that one, by the way, uh, what's the judge's name? It's a Judge Rico, Judge, uh, you know, the one I'm talking about. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I, did they say his name? I forget. Yeah, they, they gave both of them names. So there are, uh, there are comical... Oh, Judge Mex, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are comical... Uh, mariachi judges. Mariachi judges. I've seen them I was before. To... Yep. Uh, they are amazing, but they don't normally speak. <laughs> the dialogue that they gave that guy was pretty, pretty on the edge. Yeah, he's like, you know, you break the laws, thinker. You know, you don't got no right to expect mercy from Judge Dredd. From your Dredd. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes sometimes. I you gotta know. have Hispanic judges on the moon, I guess. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> amazing. Next up, so at that point, it's time for Judge Dredd to return to Earth at last. It's a pretty. There's a pretty funny opening thing where it's just Judge Dredd in uniform, but still just kind of walking down the streets of New, of a uh, of Mega City One as people commit um, crimes around him, and he's like smiling and like, "Hey, good day, citizen. Have a good one." Yeah. Mellow greetings and so forth. But then he gets he gets sworn back in. And he's just a hurricane of justice. <laughs> Takes down a whole bunch of people. 
kills a couple uh, no good no good perps, all that stuff. And it turn and he explains when asked that hey, he hadn't been sworn in yet. He he wasn't an officially a judge in Mega City One yet, and even and being a vigilante is a crime. I'll have you know. So he had to wait till he was official before he could start enforcing justice. Well, what I what I find funny about this one is that you get the sense that like if he's not on duty, like he's actually a pretty happy dude. He's like he gives people pointers. He's like, hey, you should file this thing because you're getting robbed. And hey, you guys shouldn't think about robbing this. It's very much against the law. But hey, you know, have a good day. See you later. I mean, the problem is that, you know, he's on an advanced sleep cycle. So he only sleeps like 20 minutes and he's back on. And then he's always on duty. You know, that's the hard part. (laughs) He only sleeps for 20 minutes. I forget how long, but there's things in like the Judge HQ that like lets you get a full night of sleep in a really short period of time. Jesus. But so next up, uh, there's sort of two stories going on the same time. Uh, Dredd tracks down a firebug and guy's like an arsonist guy, and it turns out that he's doing it for the insurance money. Haha. Uh-huh. At the same time, uh, Walter, the world's only free robot, burns his freedom papers and re-enslaves and re-enslaves himself to known robot hater Joseph Dredd. <laughs> What's going on with this comic? <laughs> Uh, it, that was like, why did this get thrown in there? I don't know. It's some weird character development for, for Walter. And as someone who, man, who hates Walter a lot. Um, this is getting into some BDSM shit, man. It was, it was weird. I didn't like it. Anyhow, <laughs> let's, let's get out of this. Let's leave this place. And instead, get started with the cursed earth. Speaking of forbidden fruit. Even they, even uh, the 2000 AD guys know it's a big deal because it opens with this huge, uh, like, splash page of the wonders to come with the curse. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty friggin' great. Just yeah. explosions and death everywhere. Exactly. So, uh, it turns so Judge Dredd's old buddy Red is in quarantine in Mega City 1. He was delivering a vaccine to Mega City 2, which is up and down the California coast. But the spaceport has fallen to people who are sick with the disease. It basically like turns you into a zombie and you're after people's brains, which they call the for- forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. Because the, the virus is labeled uh, 2-T-F-R-U-C. <laughs> Tutti Fruity. Uh, mm-hmm. And they also scream it when they become those things. Yeah, so. that's right. The fruit. <laughs> Tutti Fruity. Oh, oh, oh. So of course, uh, Red, even though he's in quarantine, uh, event or because he's in, you know he's in quarantine because he might have it. Of course, he does. <laughs> Ends up going nuts. He kills one judge. God, judge don't be Dredd. Judge Dredd's friend. Yeah, and Judge Dredd, who can't shoot him because it would break the seal of the quarantine and infect everybody, has to reach in. He's to reach in with the uh, like quarantine gloves and beat Red to death with his own incel television. <laughs> and there's only one thing for us. That's what happens, dude. Yeah, I know. It's just really great to hear it out loud. And so there's nothing else to do but for Judge Dredd, he's going to have to take a load of vaccine because the spaceport's fallen to the fruit, to the uh, to the infected. He's going to have to take a load of vaccine and drive it all the way to uh, Mega City Two himself, all the way across the cursed Earth. So, beauty. So we finish Judge Dredd this month with him getting kitted out to cross the cursed earth. He's got two vehicles: a speedy one called the Land Raider and a big one called the Killdozer. And the two of them can combine Dude. together to become one super vehicle. Shout out to the Killdozer! Bam, bam. Killdozer is pretty good as a uh, Warhammer 40k uh, player. I'll tell you that. There's a big vehicle that the Space Marines have that's called a Land Raider also. And the Space Marines are pretty heavily influenced in both this vehicle and their uh, and their motorcycles they use by Judge Dredd. It's <laughs> super duper obvious. I but mean, anyhow, from the giant eagles and all of that, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, 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 I think it's going to be four, but the two link up to form a super vehicle. He has a detachment of war droids. And it's funny when he looks at the war droids just because they sort of stand around and look sad. Like, they're... Uh, they're 
their mouths are turned into sort of like uh, frowny emojis, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also joining him will be three judges, uh, Judge Jack, Judge Judge Patton, and Judge Gradgrind. Judge Two Jack of them. Okay. Two of them, I am going to guess, are going to betray him while Judge Jack will not. Who knows, man? Judge Jack was with Dredd during the robot revolution. Mm-hmm. They have... So, Dredd... So, the, the, uh, the setup has two sweet uh, quasar bikes, and they're... Who, who can do, like, scouting and other things um, for the purposes of the mission. There's only one man besides Dredd that can handle one of these bikes, and that's Spikes, Herb, Spikes Harvey Rotten. Who is a uh, he's sort of a punk guy? Yeah, he's a he's a perp. He's a criminal. He's in prison. And when Dread goes to goes to spring him, he finds out that he's actually that uh, Spike's Harvey Rotten's actually at a school, giving like a scared straight um, speech. <laughs> and while he's been a model prisoner up until that point, uh, Spike's Harvey Rotten uses that time to beat up his guard and then uh, try to escape. Luckily, Judge Dredd is there to beat him. <laughs> Judge Dredd takes him down and then puts him in an armbar and says, uh, Hey, you're going to come with me on this trip to the Cursed Earth and be a scout because you've had experience with the mutants in the Cursed Earth and you're the best biker around, all right? Yeah. And under force, Spikes Harvey Rotten volunteers. And, As you do. <laughs> and uh, the whole team thunders out. So I have one continuity question for you. Hit me. So part of the reason that Walter destroys his freedom papers is he says, hey, it's the anniversary of me getting them. Has it been 12 months at this point? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I don't actually, I don't think so. Wait, wait, this is, this is Prague 60. It's been less than a year because the, because Call Me Kenneth ended um, in June. Yeah, that's what I thought. We're in April. Hmm. But, I mean, honestly, I don't know if the whole, like, everything's exactly in real time has, hap- has started yet in Judge Dredd, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I like, mean, I was just curious. Yeah. And, like, there's sort of, I'd say in terms of, like, the real, like, day-to-day kind of thing, like, there's some there's some accordioning of time, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I mean, like, the curse, we're going to be doing the Cursed Earth for the next half a year or so. Jeez. But it's only going to be like maybe a month or something in terms of Judge Dredd's life. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it could be whatever. Okay. I'm so, cool yeah. with that. So that's it. Um, we're, we're off on the Cursed Earth. Into the Cursed Earth, a desert of the damned where hell on earth has broken out. But we got to get through. The future of Mega City 2 depends on it. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Judge Dredd kill count. He killed three people this month for the total count of 48. He's doing pretty well for himself. Hey, he's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of people murdered. Yeah, I'm super excited about the Cursed Earth. Oh, man, it's going to be real good. There's some lost comics in here we're going to cover. And then it's just, and I think in the course of this, we'll see Judge Dredd sort of morph a little bit. So that by the end, he'll have have like the look... That if you're a long-term Judge Dredd fan, you'll really like appreciate. You'll, you'll really recognize what Judge Dredd looks like, as opposed to now he's skinnier and stuff than he has mm. previously. You know. Okay. Like he sort of evolves into the modern Judge Dredd over the course of the Cursed Earth, essentially. I I do. I, see it. I like his litheness in this series, just because it reminds me a lot of heavy metal. Like mm. I don't know if you saw the art from that. Um, and just kind of how the cartoons were drawn just reminds me a lot of it. Yeah, it's that same era, but I, I think uh, I'm 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 stoked for Dredd to just kind of take on his iconic. Oh, of course, you know. But so yeah. So speaking of talking about things that don't count, non thrill <laughs> time. <laughs> Yay! A so kid Pro- drew a motorcycle. Always. So we can do this real quick. Uh, Prog fifty eight. There's an April Fool's days. It, Prog 58 comes out on April 1st, 1978, and there's a joke in there about Walter taking over for Dread full-time. It's an April Fool's Day joke and not cool. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, there's a kid who likes the who loves the Visible Man, likes Bonjo, and hates Dread. Uh, get out. Oh, yeah. 
Um, a, a, one guy draw, draws a picture of a hyperpunk, which looks not unlike Sparks, Spike's Harvey Rotten. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. And then there's letters. Um, one calls out Dread to a gunfight. Another asks for back issues. No back issues. <laughs> and finally, in my favorite part of the of, of all the non-thrill stuff, there's a fake stamps commercial in this one. That is pretty funny, if just because it's right on top of the uh, nearly identical real stamps commercial. Yeah. Can like, you name these planets? And like you need like a cyber eye to be able to look at them or whatever. <laughs> so in Prog 59, we start getting the more modern look for the uh, for this part of the comic, which starts being called the Nerve Center, which starts with an editorial by Tharg and sort of what's look for coming up, and then letters and stuff. Hmm. In, the, in 59, we get more letters asking for the Visible Man. One asks for da- uh, one kid asks for daily issues. Nah. And then there's some, wow. some robot pictures and stuff. And then at the end of the prog, um, kids were at, like, in prog 50, kids were asked to provide pictures of or descriptions for new Dread villains. And they do, but they're mostly all just guys with, like, a ton of weapons on them that are completely invulnerable, you know? Yeah. I made I made my dread villain the fittest, and he can't be killed what boy anyone. You know. <laughs> well, what I what I appreciate out of the art of it is that uh, man, kid drawings have not changed. <laughs> no, man, but you know, at least again, these are rec- these are definitely drawings done by kids, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> I do like that it's uh, that it's not professional artists doing this stuff anymore. Indeed. So, Prague 60, we get some letters that are very pro-Inferno, and one that is humorously very anti-non-2008 comics that come from uh, IPC Fleetway, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and then, uh, in 61, letters alert Prague, uh, alert Tharg to the existence of sci-fi TV shows, and someone calls out the lawyer from two months ago as being Ro- uh, Rondo Hatton, the uh, guy with that acromegaly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, 2000 AD corrects in previous error where they, where they miss said how long a year on Neptune was, and they give a complete timetable for the length of year on all different plans of the solar system. Dang. And then in Prog 62, Walter is sad that Dread is leaving again, to which I say, fine, I don't care that you're sad. Well, <laughs> in fact, I prefer it. Wow. Get oil everywhere. Exactly. I hope you ruin all the doilies. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it's an... You know, to today, there's a nerve center in the front, and then eventually the letters section into the back, I think, as they get more letters like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nice to see it sort of evolving and entering sort of the future of what the comic will be. And speaking and... of the future... <laughs> oh, God. Thrill 5, Future Shocks. <laughs> Jesus. So only three Future Shocks this month, Fox. Hooray! Yeah. The first one... Uh, the Juggernaut is a It's Soviet, about a tank. Yeah, it's a Soviet super tank. It's got some new scanners, but they aren't properly calibrated, so it accidentally shoots itself and destroys itself. Oh no. Oh man, what a twist. Next up, uh, a survivor fights his way through an apocalyptic hellscape. He kills tons of people <laughs> for a can of motor oil. Wow. Wow. That motor oil would actually be useful around his post apocalyptic sanctuary, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Pro- it's not just about the food, man. Yeah. Uh, finally, a, a pair of explorer guys go to open an Egyptian sarcophagus. <laughs> this is awesome. They theorize whether it's like, oh, like these Egyptian guys were kind of were some crazy, like a are from like this guy might be from a, a rare tribe we've never heard of, and someone else says, oh, maybe it's an alien in there. They open it up, and it's a vampire. <laughs> Dude, totally a Dracula. Like a full on. I'd say it's a full-on uh, Fiend of the Eastern Front coming soon to Ooh. a 2018 podcast near you. And actually, not for a couple, like, dozen episodes, but still. Damn. It's definitely a Fiend from the Eastern Front. I uh, I like it because it's a Nosferatu coming to get you. Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. Yeah, yeah it's this crazy thing. you got to burn it with fire. Speaking of burning, Thrill <laughs> 6 Inferno. I'm doing, my doing my best here, Fox. Dude, in, I mean, look, you're doing it perfectly, number one. I know Clay would be proud. So it's Inferno time, and hey, it's time for some off-the-field action. Yay! That's going to be so great. They've tracked the creator of the killer cheerleader, 
to a place called Beehive Jungle, which is like an old housing project now full of like hippie burnouts and biker gangs and stuff. Which is a very weird mix. Yeah. Meanwhile, the gambling syndicate commandeers a uh, a deadly recycling robot <laughs> as the Hellcats find the robot creator guy. Look what they've done to him. And oh. They fried his brain with circuit rods. Yep. The team's attacked by the by the uh, recycling robot. Surprise. Uh, various guys fight the robot using various uh, inferno-based skills, but it's still coming. <laughs> Regal Eagle drives his superbike right at it. And oh, as snap. he does, the bike explodes, destroying the robot, and Eagle sort of redeemed himself a little bit for his previous cowardice. Ah, but only a little bit. Yep. Despite the threats by the bad guys, the Hellcats decide to play, to, to continue playing, and they start a new match, finally, against the Boston Bullets, and... FYI, we previously seen an Inferno team called the Baltimore Bullets, so like <laughs> we got to work on some names for these Inferno teams. No doubt. But this game's just a goddamn montage, like whatever. People are starting to like the Hellcats though, and Mr. Chubb is about to bring out the big guns, the and, frozen corpse of Artie Gruber. And I'm gonna tell you right now, this didn't work out well the last time somebody fucking made an Artie Gruber. I don't think it's gonna work out well this time for anybody. It's, it's funny that. Like, it's the exact same plan. So, yeah. So and I don't so, know. Why did they think this is going to work? I don't know. You know, evil just sort of only has a couple plans, I guess. <laughs> so we get an, another montage game against the Virginia Vicks. Meanwhile, Mr. Torso gets brought into a cryo-sleep funeral home where he shoots <laughs> his way in. And he springs the and he frees the body of Artie Gruber, who's been frozen on ice. He's back in the saddle. He comes out of a coffin and shoots three people in order to get Artie Gruber. Why couldn't he have just walked in and killed people? Nah, you gotta go in the coffin. That's the fun part. <laughs> <laughs> but so, we, Gruber's back. We actually learn some backstory. We actually see, like, a, a ricochet from a shot by Giant caused Gruber's jetpack to explode, mm. which has led him to become the robot zombie we all know and love. And now <laughs> it's time for the, uh, the quarterfinals of the East Coast Cup of Inferno. And it's the They're Hellcats. Doing well. Yeah, and it's the Hellcats versus the Philadelphia Freaks, a team of robots that was founded by the survivors of the Gorgon's Gargoyle Airball team. And just like in Harlem Heroes, it looks like they're going to disguise Gruber as a member of that team to mess everybody up. <laughs> they really, uh, they just like, really wanted to retread this story really badly. Like this is the exact same setup <laughs> as it was in Harlem Heroes. Like it's ridiculous. I would be really upset if it ends up playing out the exact same way. Yeah, hopefully they'll try to find some new things, you know. It's always good to innovate and have new thrills and stuff, new ideas. Hey, speaking of new thrills... <laughs> thrill 7, Death Planet. Ooh, so it's a Death Planet. Yeah. It's got a lady. It's the 23rd century Earth. It's super crowded. There's a big line for everybody to board the colony ship Eternity to get off world. The commander of the ship, Lorna Varn, a lady... Who really only has one state of expression, if you've noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ship takes off and jumps to, F t uh, to faster than light. There's a problem. The ship goes off course, and Lorna crashes. Uh, Lorna clashes with the head of the colonists, Rich Richard Corey. Then the ship crash lands on a crazy planet. Most of the colonists die, and in sort of an argument, Corey basically beats up Lorna. <laughs> yep. Also, the planet's full of angry animals, and here we are, folks, the first human-female protagonist of 2008. Good times. She gets beaten in her first episode. She's basically shown to, she basically shows up, is um, incompetent and bossy in like a non, in like a more than you would be for being a spaceship commander of like, yeah, you know, being presented as someone who's sort of rough to deal with and stuff. And like then 25 gets, years. And then she gets beaten up by a dude, basically. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, it just seems so odd and out of place. But whatever. It's yeah. it's a first little episode, so. Yeah, I'm interested. You know, we'll see more stuff with Death Planet. Death Planet doesn't last that long. Once it's done, it's time for Ant Wars. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> really excited for Ant Wars, huh? Speaking of not getting ahead of ourselves, Thrill 8. Walter the Wobot. Friend uh, of Dwed. No. Ah, uh, Walter. So, first yeah, up, there's a futuristic game show. 
One of the contestants is Walter. Another one's uh, like Hitler, I guess. Yeah, no, it's definitely Hitler. Like a, his name's Schicklegruber, like Hitler's name is. He's got the mustache. mustache. Yeah. yeah. So Walter asks a bunch of so on the quiz show. Walter is uh, answers a bunch of Judge Dread questions. Mm. And when Hitler objects, he dropped down a trap door or something. Anyhow, Walter wins the uh, wins the quiz show, and it's mostly because the host is a robot who threw the game for him. Isn't he not supposed to be doing illegal things? Who knows? So next one is late one night. Walter gets kidnapped by an Igor-looking dude, and things look bad. Next up, Walter shows up in Igor's place with a mad scientist's workshop. So, like, Igor kind of looks like a... like. <laughs> I forget the actor, but he kind of looks like, you know, an Igor from some classic Frankenstein movie, basically. Mm. The mad scientist looks like a character drawn by mad magazine artist Don Martin <laughs> for some reason. Yep. Which is, the clashing styles is really, is really disconcerting and weird. And, like, yep. I feel like there's jokes going on here. That There's a lot going on here. I don't understand at all. It's basically I, what I'm, I'm assuming is going on. My guess is that some artists and some writers were under the influence and decided to do a joint comic. It seems possible. So Walter met. So next, finally, Walter messes up the mad scientist's plans and gets and destroys the, the cadaver they were going to put Igor's brain into. So now they're going to put uh, <sighs> Igor's brain into Walter, and that's uh, the cliffhanger for uh, Walter the robot. It actually ends. They they sort of stop doing it. On, in like Prague 60. <laughs> yep. We're just like, all right, like they, we're going to take a, a brief hiatus from these, but they'll be back. And here's instead a great offer from uh, Trevorland. Right. So instead they don't come back. Uh, Walter, Walter's eventually back in like Prague 67 or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. So <laughs> that's that takes us to oh, Jesus. It was a month, gauntlet. There's a, there's a lot of ups and downs this month. If you ask me. Yeah. So what are your top and bottom thrills this month, April 1978? Um, so, God, for the love of God. Uh, top, pretty easily at this point, it goes to Judge Dredd. Nice. Yeah, I, honestly, I really do. I, I like how it went, uh, wound down from um, sort of him on the moon and him coming back. Like... Mm-hmm. His comics are fairly rushed to begin with, but like it had a very funny attitude, like for both. So it was just kind of conventional episode, silly, silly, and then conventional episode. Um, but all of it leading into then the two-parter for what will now be a completely new series for it. Sure. So yeah. I'm really stoked. It did a great job, great writing, especially when <clears throat> it was either just before or just after. Um, Colony Earth, and so after every time I read Colony Earth, it was just kind of like, oh, thank God, mm-hmm. people who know yeah. how to like structure some boxes and and have interesting dialogue. Definitely. So there you go. What's your top? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, all the Judge Dredd stuff was really great. The, the Day in the Life and then the Return to Earth one for Judge Dredd was both really good. Uh, the middle one, the Firebug one, was probably was the worst one for me, just because mm-hmm. I really don't like like. <laughs> All the Walter stuff's really weird, and like the thing of him like rejoining him, like re-enslaving himself to Judge Dredd, basically. Yeah, it's definitely a commentary on something, but it really just make it really makes me hate Walter even more that he would yes. like, give up his freedom just because of his sycophantic love of Judge Dredd. I mean, I love Judge Dredd, but I would not give up my freedom to, to hang out with him. No, no. Um, and everything else was kind of I don't know, like the the like the. The ghost, the hallucination stuff in Dan Dare was was way too was too weird for me. I think mm-hmm. um, Mach One was sort of moderate. Like I don't know. Like it, Mach- it's whatever. It's yeah. it's so much like chocolate. Well, like it's just like the fight with Mach Two kind of ended really abruptly, and then like this alien stuff is really is like still in the early stages, but weird enough that's kind of like not really rubbing me the right way. I think. Mm. And then Inferno just had had a bunch of non non field stuff, and that's what I'm you know I'm actually my... going to go to bat for them a little bit this month because while while it is sort of so I agree they should be doing their shit on the goddamn field, and I hate it when they're not doing it. Um, but there were some little things that happened in this one. I don't know if you noticed. So the boxes 
where announcers are announcing things that happen in the game now have their own special boxes. And at least that's how it was for two progs. So I'm hoping that that sticks because it, it does really help call out like, oh, this is when, you know, they're talking about parts of the game that I can kind of latch on to yes, and understand, and understand yes. certain things, right? Um, the characters are getting closer. There are There is more characterization. Everybody's got an, an effective different character. I mean, they're all like, yeah, the team is the best and let's all be on the team. I think you kind of have to be for a sports thing to work, though. Sure. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, mo- I don't know. Yeah. The character development's good. I like that. Um, I like that they're bringing a bad guy back, but not how they're doing it. So it's it's a mixed bag. Yeah, but. I hear you. Okay, so what's your bottom thrill this month, Lex? <laughs> I mean, fucking Colin it Earth. It can't be Walter. Okay, Colin Earth. Yeah, I agree. Jesus Christ! I mean, like really bad. Oh God, it was bad. Yeah, we talked about it during the during the actual yeah. coverage for it. I think. But and yeah, I Colin Earth was not great. Death Planet, you're on notice. Like this slot, yeah. this slot of uh, where Inferno used to be. You know, like Visible Man. It's been Visible Man, then Colin the Earth, now Death Planet. Like they got to solidify this slot. You no, know? it's getting it's getting fucking ridiculous. Uh, and I I feel like it's a cursed slot, right? What can beat Invasion? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, tellingly, um, like all this cursed Earth stuff is kind of leading up to the first big evolution of um, 2000 AD, which is going to be like in the fall. And when they start that, there's only four thrills in an, in an issue, which I think is a, te- is a telling detail instead of usual like five or six. Good. Anyhow, but that's, that's the future. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, for me too, bottom thrill, definitely colony earth. I'm, I'm trying to give death planet the benefit of the doubt, but death planet, you're in my sights. For now yeah. Long. Don't start out the gate with a woman getting beaten. It's just, it's a, it, 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 it's a tough comic. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it for this month, Fox. Sounds good. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. You can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're Space Spinner 2K, and everywhere else, just look for Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. Tune in next week as Mach 1 completes his final encounter. We'll meet the wise-cracking member of Dandare's ship crew. Uh, Death Planet gets even more problematic. Gruber gets back in action. And Judge Dredd goes to the rats. The giant, bloodthirsty hordes of rats hungry for the flesh of people on the cursor. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Conrad from Spots, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendug Splendug Verthrig. Verthrig.